Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. So today we have Stefan Johnson here. Stefan is a voice actor. He does a lot of voiceover work. He's done campaigns for McDonald's, the Orlando Magic, Sega, Boost Mobile, Wells Fargo, lots and lots more. He's a, he's a busy guy, and I'm really excited to talk to him. You know, the way that he first got on my radar is he's also, in addition to doing voice acting, is really very busy on social media and makes a lot of really funny short-form kind of sketch comedy bits for TikTok. He posts them on his Twitter account, and some of them deal with voice acting and give tips and tricks and things like that. But a lot of them are just kind of silly things, funny things that he does, fast food reviews and <laughs> things like that. So actually, it was one of those videos that first got Stefan on my radar. But part of why I wanted to talk to him is I just think he has such an interesting and inspiring backstory. And I get the feeling in talking to him that he is somebody who is just sort of perched right on the edge of something very big, that I feel like he is going to be if not a name that you know in five years, definitely a voice that you know, and that I think we're just going to start hearing everywhere. And so I wanted to have a little different conversation today. You know, usually with my guests, a lot of it is based on sort of the quarantine and this, this shutdown of production and, and how that's affected us professionally. But with Stefan, I was much more interested in sort of how he came into this business and how he's been able to build a name for himself, because I think he has figured out the rules of the game and sort of how to how to fit in in this industry, but he's also sort of written his own playbook and because of that is really in charge of his own destiny. And I think that applies whether you're in the entertainment industry or not. You know, no matter what field you're in, if you can figure out how to be your own boss, if you can figure out how to get paid for doing the stuff that you like doing and not have to do the things that you don't like to do, that's kind of everybody's dream, right? And it's weird. Like, I feel like I'm sort of four months into that journey right now. I got laid off at the beginning of March from a longtime production job that I'd had. And I've talked about that a lot on the show. And I'm just starting to realize, having done this podcast now for the last two months, the freedom in that of just not having a boss, of not having a playbook, of letting this show sort of tell me what it wants to be and knowing that it's going to be as good as the work that I put into it. So I've been putting a lot of effort into it, and I feel like Stefan is, is in the same boat. You know, He's figured out that it takes a lot of work to do whatever you want to do in the world, but especially in this business, and you've got you've to fight for your reputation every day. You've got to fight to get on people's radar and uh, to get them to notice you and pay attention to you, and Stefan is doing it in really innovative ways with social media. You know, the other thing that struck me about Stefan is just sort of how generous he is, that he is willing to share every up and down of his career. He talks about it with me, obviously, on this podcast, but he's very open about it on social media, on his YouTube channel, on his TikToks. He's figured out a blueprint for how to succeed at this. And I think he realizes that this isn't a zero-sum game, that if there's a way that he can elevate other people that want to do this work, he's totally open to helping them. He doesn't see it as competitive. He doesn't see that as undermining his work or his reputation. In fact, I think it elevates him. And so I learned a lot from him, not just about voiceover work, which is fascinating to me. It's a world that I don't know a whole lot about. But I learned just sort of about how to make your own destiny, right? Something we all want to do. 
So I hope you'll get something out of this interview. I really enjoyed it. Here is my conversation with voice actor Stefan Johnson. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. All is well. Nice, nice. So uh, let's just start with sort of how the last four months have been. <laughs> how have you, uh, how have you yeah. been faring during this quarantine time? Uh, I mean, you know, I've been kind of a, I'm always kind of a homebody just because of the nature of my work. And, you know, other than me playing shows with my band or maybe the occasional karaoke with my buddies, I'm usually a homebody. So not, not too much has changed for me socially. Yeah. Ha- has the type of work or the pace of work changed at all in terms of kind of the voiceover work that you do? Well, I'll, I'll say the the type of work has kind of shifted over just because things like, you know, television production and just a lot of video production in general is kind of like at a standstill for yep. the most part. Things have kind of shifted where the commercial work or promo work has kind of slowed down. There's been more like um, phone greetings and more medical mm. narration and corporate narration, e-learning, because, you know, the changes in you know school systems and people are updating their phone messages and overhead announcements for stores just to kind of, you know, push the COVID awareness or whatnot. So yeah. there's been an uptick of that work. That's interesting. So literally, like, you know, make sure you keep six feet apart and wear a mask and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Interesting. Exactly. Have you? I, I know a lot of commercials have kind of changed messaging too, and sometimes it looks like it's some footage that may have been shot, you know, even a year or so ago. But instead of you know yeah. the all new Chrysler 300 is fast and sexy, it's like you know we're all in this yeah. together, and the Chrysler 300 will take you where you want to go. Like, ha- have you have you <laughs> exactly. had to do any of that type of work? Yep, yep, but quite a few things. You know, the messages are kind of shifting away from that hard sell, buy, 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 to more of a empathetic, you know, warm. We're all in, like, exactly like you said, we're all in this together kind yeah. of a thing. Well, so I'm just really fascinated by sort of your part of the business. It's not a world that I know well at all. And like sort of when I think about like as a kid growing up and knowing that I, I wanted to work in TV, like there there are certain jobs like voiceover is one of them. But even, you know, lighting and sound and there are these kind of specific jobs that aren't the first thing that comes to people's mind when it comes to entertainment. So I'm just I'm really curious sort of your journey into this like how did you how did you find out that this was a viable career and what were the steps that took you to to undertake it as a career well i'll say it probably really really started for me in high school my, my voice dropped at a very early age so i entered high school um i was in the um drama club yep. um, drama club and the um same person who ran drama club the teacher miss overton um she heard me talk and she was also over the morning announcements so she was like oh have you ever thought about doing the morning announcements we'd love to have your voice on there and i'm like yeah sure i'll do it so all four years i ended up doing the morning announcements for high school nice. and when it came time to graduate you know i was a slacker kid and i didn't really have a plan for the future it came time for graduation and my guidance counselor told me about a, a media school here in ohio called the ohio media school where they teach you radio television um you know just media production in general and you know everyone always said my whole life oh you should be a radio dj and i'm like okay well yeah let's i want to do something after high school let me enroll so auditioned enrolled it was a one-year crash course learned television radio production and while going through the radio course i realized that i'm good at being a radio like personality but it's not exactly a passion i don't really feel any kind of spark in it. yeah but going through the curriculum you know i discovered the whole world of voiceover um you know discovered that voiceover was its own kind of you know it was its own entity its own career path and after graduation even after graduating the ohio media school just that whole slacker mentality kind of still took over me i was in 
involved in a few bands and I had what I thought was a decent job as a manager at a restaurant and I was kind of slacking. But the real turning point would be probably about 2012, 2013. I have a buddy who's an independent filmmaker and um, he was working on a film that he needed a trailer for, he needed a voice for his trailer for his movie. So he called me up and asked me if I'd be willing to do it. He read out a whole studio for the night and it was a whole thing. And while recording and going over the copy in that, you know, that situation, I realized, you know, I should be doing this, you know, as a career other than being preoccupied with this restaurant and things like that. Yeah, you felt that spark in that moment, right? Exactly, exactly. So I felt that, you know, I need to really be making the most out of this, especially while I'm young. So about 2013, I began to take it seriously, found a dedicated voiceover coach, slowly started to build a home studio. And last year, I actually went full time with voiceover. So that's the whole story yeah it's interesting that radio piece of it like I, I sort of remember i also did morning announcements through middle school i didn't do them in high school but like i remember just loving that feeling of like being in front of the mic yeah. and having the whole school listening to you I, I graduated high school in 2002 like by that point yeah. radio was already starting to sort of transition into sort of these corporate you know it was one feed going out to 40 different stations and you know like pre-recorded interludes there wasn't a dj saying you know okay up next is going to be this song it was just sort of you know mix fm and the next song would start so even then it felt like it wasn't there weren't as many jobs as there had but you know like growing up listening to the radio and just having really local personalities and being like oh i want to be that guy like it just didn't feel like there was that path so you're you were able to take it full-time last year like in that those interceding years like how did you how were you able to to support yourself and and keep busy if if voiceover was only kind of a part-time thing at that time yeah well i've always kind of transitioned from job to job because i have kind of that personality where if i'm if i'm not passionate about something i i just i just my my mind won't let me stay there my mind won't let me continue to do it i have to find something new so luckily i've always been able to kind of make progressive movements like from being that management that restaurant manager i ended up being a dispatcher at a hospital and then i was a supervisor for a call center and then you know it was always like progressive movements up up but it's always been like behind someone's desk you know nine to five types jobs so um literally every year i had a different job just on us because I wasn't passionate about what I was doing so I was always looking for something new to do I would get bored basically and once I get bored I'm like okay and I never had a problem ever finding a job literally uh, I could say almost literally any job I applied for I, I got wow. but it was just never enough like my very last job working as a insurance rep for a local hospital here you know I was making good money nine to five great hours could pretty much make my own hours great management, great company, but I just wasn't happy, mm-hmm. you know? And I had to sit, I had to finally sit there at this point, like this is a job that most people my age would dream of situation wise, schedule wise, pay wise, you know, management wise. Why am I not happy? And then I realized that I'm not going to be happy until I'm doing voiceover full time. So at that point, I just realized I'm not going to apply for another nine to five job. I'm going to stick it out here. I'm going to save up. I'm going to clear some debt. And I'm going to buy this time next year, I'm going to be doing voiceover full time. So I took about eight to nine months, cleared out the majority of my student loan debt, paid up some bills for a couple of months, saved up a good little nest egg just to kind of have that cushion. Yeah. Talk to my agents, you know, talk to my agents, talk to my regular clients about what I'm doing. Um, talk to my fiance about what I was doing. And about it was about July last year, early July last year. I put in my two weeks at my last desk job, and I've been 
going full time ever since. Nice. I I assume fulfillment wise <laughs> that was a good move. Like, oh, yeah. has that financially been a good move and stuff? Like, just sort of that that need to commit to to this full time. I mean, I've been I've been blessed enough to say that things have been working out really well. You hear you hear horror stories. I'm a member of a lot of voiceover forums and Facebook groups, and like you know, people ask the question like about going full time to like the veterans, the people who have been doing this for like 30, 40 years, and people tell horror stories about them having to sleep in their car for a year and they're crashing on their friend's couch and had to move back in with their mom and things like that you know like the first couple of years are just rough yeah. rough rough and me i've been i i don't know what i'm doing right but um, i just <laughs> haven't had those same i haven't had those struggles at all you know yeah. so it's been a blessing i feel like a part of it is that you sort of need to take yourself seriously like in in making that move and saying you know what i'm going to do right. this full time this is going to be my thing like then it becomes yeah. a challenge you have to solve, right? It's like, okay, so of if course. this is if this is who I am, how do I define myself that way? How do I get other people to see me that way? Exactly. I want to talk too just sort of about getting into the business initially and sort of landing that first job. Like, do you remember yeah. sort of what that first job was and, and what it took to actually book your first professional gig? Uh, well, I kind of have two stories about that. Like my first voiceover job, just period, came from a uh, Craigslist ad. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was looking on uh, Craigslist, I believe, for something like not even related. I was looking on Craigslist for like, I'm a musician too. I think I was just like searching for like instruments, something like that. And then like the first thing I see when I opened up the app for um, Craigslist um, was voice needed. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, okay. Clicked on it. And it's like 2012, 2013 or something like that. Yeah, right around there. Okay. And I clicked the ad and they said, looking for voice talent. And um, mind you, this is before I really started really taking it seriously, before I got a dedicated voiceover coach. Um, but um, I responded to the ad. I didn't have a demo, didn't have a website, didn't have a home studio or anything. But they called me back and they liked my voice and they happened to have a studio ad. It was like for a production company. And they had their own studio, of course. So they had me come in and um, set up the mic for me. And it got time to actually read the copy. And I bombed completely, mm. completely bombed it. You know, I mean, we, we got through it. They got the work done and they were set or whatnot. That was kind of almost like a, distir- a, a, a discouraging point. Right. You know, again, this is before this is before even my buddy, you know, asked me to take part in his little project or whatnot. Then later that year, um, he, you know, eventually asks me to, you know, partake. And then that was a really good experience the way that went. And, you know, that kind of set that spark. But the first real, real professional job I had after I started to take it seriously was with a client I still have to this day. Um, they're a commuter advertising firm here in Ohio. And I, before I started driving, I would um, take public transit, the train here in Cleveland, to and from work. And I noticed daily I started to hear these overhead announcements on the train. And I'm like, huh, you know, they have to hire voice talent for these things. Yeah. So I researched the company, found a contact, sent an email to the um, head of the company saying, hey, I'm a voice talent. I'm just starting out brand new, but I have a studio. I've been training to, training to do voiceover. You know, let's talk. I would love to help you and add value to, you know, your brand. Wow. Yep. And he um, emailed me back and we were talking. He had me send a few demos, send a few sample scripts to him. And I've been working with that client for the last six or seven years. That's awesome. And yeah, I guess yeah. just sort of putting those pieces together, like I admire you for that, to just sort of, you hear this voice <laughs> as you're waiting for the train and say, wait, where's that coming from? And like, somebody's right, recording exactly. that. Who's recording that? Let me mm-hmm. figure that out. That's so cool. And, and I know you've talked too about sort of that even to this day, as a full-time voice talent, there's a lot of work 
that goes into finding work, right? I mean, you're just kind of emailing people like all day, every day, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they say there's kind of an adage in our um, industry um, where your your job essentially isn't to voice work. Your job is to find the work because 95% of your time, uh, most of the time, is going to be you sending the emails, you following up on social media inquiries, you sending, um, you know, you cold calling, you updating your um, your platforms like your social media, your website, you updating your demos, you know. 90% of the work is just trying to find the work. Do you, I, I saw recently you, you got uh, an agent repping you as well now. Like do, how much of that now falls to an agent and how much is, is still sort of on your shoulders to just sort of figure out where the opportunities are? Yeah, I'll say like still about like 80 to 90% of my work is all booked through my own self-marketing or whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's it's always great to have an a agent, you know, advocating for you because there's still kind of a, a gatekeeper sense of of, of um, certain aspects of voiceover, like most major commercial work, most m- movie trailer work, most network promo work are still going to be majority agency booked. Yeah. You know, so it's good to have a really reputable agent because you're not going to gain access to audition opportunities for those gigs unless you have a great agent or manager, you know. But as far as like any production work or explainer video animation work, stuff like that, that's all usually still books through me. Gotcha. Personally. Yeah. And in looking at your reels, like one thing that really struck me, you know, I grew up in Cleveland as well and I left because I didn't feel like there were as many production opportunities there as I wanted. <laughs> I ended up in Boston, but no, you know, even still in yeah. Boston, like I still feel the pull of New York or LA, like that's sort of, it feels like we're 90% of the industry is happening. Like for you as an Ohioan, yeah. like how much, how much work have you been able to get on a national scale and, and has being in Ohio hindered you at all? Or have, have there been opportunities that have opened up as a function of staying home? Oh, yeah. I have clients all over the country and um, all over the world. Um, just in, just the nature of our job itself, just if you have a home studio, they don't need you physically there the majority of the time. And yeah. you have access to um, connections like Source Connect and IDSN and other phone patches where you can link to their studio and you can record from your microphone in Ohio and be recording in real time to their board in LA you know so I've I I recorded a um, spot for the Orlando Magic um, a couple months back in Florida from my home studio you know Um, I've recorded I recorded spots that are playing in California and Australia and the UK you know all from my home studio so being in Ohio hasn't really hindered me I do know certain aspects of it would make it easier if you lived in like LA or if you lived in uh, like New York because if you want to record something for Pixar if you get cast for something in Pixar yeah. they prefer you to come into their studios and record with the actual cast there you know so little things like that would probably make it easier to live in California if you were looking to pursue that kind of work but the massive bulk of the work you can do from your home studio anywhere yeah which for you i mean in this time like for me as a producer and director like i need to be out in the field to make tv so this quarantine has sucked just because you know i can't go out and be around you know 10 other people whereas for you it sounds like you know it hasn't changed a whole lot it hasn't no that's awesome. So talking about your home studio for a second, like what does it look like, I guess? Like when you're looking for a place to live, do you need a, a dedicated bedroom or a space as a recording studio or can it function as other things? Well, my studio is a little 
don't know. I, think, I, I haven't really compared it to like too many other people's studio. I did when we most recently moved. I did. It was a priority for us to find a two bedroom spot just because I do need a dedicated workspace because yeah. my studio, particularly my 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 workstation, is pretty much. It's not going to look too much different than like anyone with a home office, but you know I have a few other toys opposed to like a normal home office. Yeah. But it takes up about the same amount of space as probably anyone else's. The real kicker would be I turned a walk-in closet in this bedroom into my booth. I stripped oh, cool. it of all of its shelving and the rods and things like that, and I put up Orlex foam all over it on every just about every surface. I have like about ninety percent of the closet covered in Orlex foam, and I have my main mic. Um, stationed in here and um, even on the door and I have lights installed or whatnot so that's probably the kicker the interesting thing if you were to walk into it and me being also a musician I have all of my music gear my amps my basses my guitars and things like that in here as well so yeah I have a dedicated space and if I needed to I could move it you know into like a living room or things like that but the only kicker would be the booth I would need an isolated place to record you know and how important is that just to, to have an acoustically treated space, you know, a dead space, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's paramount because a lot of people focus on, well, a lot of people starting out, I'll say like the rookies, their first thing they want to invest in is the microphone because they like, if I have a $1,000 microphone, it will make me sound amazing. If I have this $12,000 preamp and if I'm paying for Adobe Audition and Pro Tools, I'm going to be top notch, but they fail to realize that you can have a you can have a $2,000 microphone, but if you're in recording in a space that isn't acoustically treated, you can hear the neighbors banging upstairs or right. something like that, you know, you it, the recording is going to suck regardless. So yeah, having an acoustic, I would always advise someone to focus on the recording space first, because you, if you have a decent recording space, you can record on your iPhone and it's going to sound decent, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, it, it's a subtlety that, like with a lot of things, I guess, like I don't notice good sound as much as i wish i did you know what i mean like i'm sure you can listen to something and be like oh that sounds terrible you know that guy's in an echoey space or whatever but like and and i guess that that's sort of the difference right between like regular consumers and professionals is like that little that extra five percent of just sort of knowing what the difference is between something good and something really really great kind of makes all the difference i want to ask you too i saw one of your youtube videos i think it was from like a year or so ago where you had actually set up a mobile studio in the backseat of your car (laughs) like when you were still working other jobs (laughs) and like you'd get like a rushed email like hey can we get this in an hour and a half and you'd be like well i'm on a shift for the next seven hours exactly like tell me about sort of how often you use that (laughs) just sort of you know, how how you built out that space in the backseat of your car? Well, it became a thing because uh, right around the time where I was kind of realizing that it may be time to just go full time is that, you know, things started to, to take off. And that was actually for my my client who I said I've been with for about six or seven years. And I, I started to get these requests while I'd be at my day job. Mind you, I worked nine to five. and. Yeah. Most production companies are working nine to five and they're trying to get stuff done nine right. to five. And, you know, I after about the third job I had to pass on, I had to I was like, Okay, I need to find a solution. So I went back to like the Facebook forums, I'm asking around and everyone's everyone's pretty much resoundingly said that they have some capacity of a mobile voiceover studio. Basically it's just a laptop, um, a mic you're comfortable just keeping in the car or keeping in a backpack, some kind of pre small preamp just to power the mic and you know download your software and then you're ready to go cars are you know surprisingly good spaces acoustically because they're padded there's a lot of uneven surfaces 
you know, and if you could just find a quiet space where it's not by a highway, you can get some dang good quality. So yeah, yeah it's just, it just, it just became a necessity at a certain point. I've recorded patches and stuff in cars before. And the the one yeah. thing that always kind of trips me up is, is the glass, just getting reflections off the glass. Do you have to yeah. treat the windows at all? Yeah. I usually will put up a, cause you know, most cars have the little hooks like right oh, above sure. the yeah. passenger side door. I'll put up like my jacket I'll put up like a jacket and the shirt. Like I always keep spare clothes in my car just because I'm a, I try to be prepared just in life in general yeah. for other things. But, you know, I'll just take my jacket with me and put it on one side and I'll put a sweater on the other side and hang it up and that'll, that'll kill the reflections. Yeah, it, it's so funny just like the simplicity of some of that, that I feel like a lot of people think you need like, you know, acoustical foam and everything and like, you know, sound oh, blankets no. or, you know, as you say, jackets, right. <laughs> sweaters, like anything that'll absorb the sound can work especially exactly. in a pinch like that i want to ask you too i know one of your big pieces of advice for people getting started in voiceover work is working with a coach like exactly. how important was your coach and sort of why is that sort of your first piece of advice for people starting out well i mean my thing is that a lot of people tend to focus on the glamour side of things people watch the documentaries like I, the documentaries like i know your voice on netflix and you know they'll see tara strong or you know, one of the other massive voice talents on there recording funny voices. And they yeah. think I can just, you know, I've been doing funny voices my whole life. I can do this, you know, but they fail to realize that these actors have been trained. They've been do, pursuing this their whole life. They've had acting coaches, voice acting coaches. They went to school for it. Most of them, you know, are like uh, former stage actors and, you know, production people. They've been doing this their whole life. They didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to be a voice actor right. and get a job at Pixmon or Paramount. So I try to, a lot of newer talent reach out to me because I have pretty high visibility on social media. And, you know, a lot of people reach out to me. And I try to let people know off rip, like, hey, you want to get a coach because you've never done this before in your life. And just like with any other job, you need training. Right. You know what I mean? You're not going to just start at McDonald's or start at Macy's or start at the hospital or start, you know, being a lawyer without learning how to do it first. So regardless, you're going to have to be trained how to do this. I try to be one of the few people that have this high visibility on social media who's constantly spouting this. So more people know that, okay, I'm not going to be able to jump into this. Right. I'm going to need someone to guide me, you know. So yeah. just one more voice saying this helps, you know. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, sort of across the entertainment business, like there's a piece of it of just sort of understanding, you know, vocabulary and like sort of who's mm -hmm. who and, you know, the pecking order and just all that kind of stuff that you can sort of tell right off the bat when you talk to somebody if they know what they're talking about or not just sort of by how they approach right. you and, and the words they use. And, you know, like, I, I feel like even just learning that kind of stuff is so important to, to present yourself professionally, right? Definitely, definitely. So I'm really curious, too, like thinking about sort of getting into this. And you talked earlier about, you know, your voice dropping in early age and stuff. And like, just you, you yeah. sort of have that natural, deep voice. Like, how much do you think in this business is sort of just God-given talent? And how much is trainable or you know, how much do you have to work at something? Like if, if you don't have the right voice right off the bat, can you get there? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is with that, there are 
a few people who it just came unbelievably easy to, you know, they had the voice, they just had that automatic charisma, they're a natural actor, and there are those cases out there, but the vast majority of it is you're going to have to train and you're going to have to learn this one way or another because you can't just depend on having a great voice because like me, I'm still coaching. I'm going to be looking into getting more coaching soon because, you know, even with me having this kind of voice, I had to learn and there's still things I have weaknesses in like me me personally i struggle with the conversational read Mm. um just sounding like a normal person because um a lot of the gigs you get they just want you to sound like an everyday person they just want you to sound like you're having a conversation with your neighbor right and my voice always wants to slip into that voice of god type thing yeah and i i have to work and be trained on how to be a normal person (laughs) behind the mic and you know what i mean yeah totally you know you got the eh, it's not always just the voice because you got guys who just have an everyday, um, you know, neighbor next door voice and they get massive amounts of work because, you know, they're able to convey a normal person on the mic naturally and that sells, you know. So it's all about whatever your weakness is, working on that weakness because there's a there's room for every kind of voice in voiceover, but it's just about you knowing how to use your instrument to make the most of it, out of it and tell a story. Yeah. And and that strikes me too, sort of looking at your reel and just sort of hearing different voices that I can recognize as you when I think about it, but like they're very yeah. different tones and very different, you know, like these very kind of aggressive, you know, the NFL on Fox and, you know, like right. really strong. Re- and then, you know, these really upbeat, you know, today on Wendy Williams. And it's like two completely yeah. different <laughs> parts of your instrument as you say like i i get just like when you get when you get copy like how do you know sort of how they want a read to happen or do you give them options or are you working with a director on the line when you're doing the reads or like just how do you interpret i guess what people are looking for well it's it's it varies from situation to situation most of the time it's a combination of like all three of those points you made you'll Get, you'll get direction, like usually with the copy, they'll send a, a general, like, this is what we're looking for. And they may even give you, like, examples, just things they've heard on YouTube or other commercials. Mm. Uh, a lot of the times you can be in a directive session where you may maybe have to go to their studio rarely, um, or they'll call into your studio and they're directing you over the phone. And a lot of it's trial and error, too. Sometimes the vast, a lot of it's your self-directing. Like, they're not going to be on the phone with you. Sometimes you don't even get direction and you have to interpret the copy and realize what story is being told. And, you know, you give them you'll give them options. You'll usually do an ABC and, yep. you know, here's three takes of what I feel like this should go in and they'll email you back. And, you know, either they love it or they'll say, oh, we could do something a little different and then that may turn into a call just to kind of remedy things faster it, it just varies it depends on the copy and it depends on who you're working with gotcha i wonder too like you talk about uh, some of the explainer work which is like you know these mm-hmm. very technical reads you know like things for yeah. for offices like when when i think about that work i'm just like that's stuff that I don't know anything about, you know, a law office or a medical, you know, facility oh, yeah. or whatever. How how much do you actually understand <laughs> what you're saying or like <laughs> learning certain words that you're just like, okay, I right. don't, you know, like how much of that, how, how much schooling, I guess, goes into each job? <laughs> well, I mean, for like those more technical jobs, um, usually I, before I even accept them, I ask for, you know, like at least a week. Usually I quote like 24 hours. I quote like if you send me a job i can get it done usually in a day because i'm home studio yeah but sometimes there are those jobs where you are going to have to 
take a little bit more time to make sure you can get the vocabulary down and get the vernacular correct. Because, you know, that's between like corporate narration, medical narration, you know, I have clients in Mumbai and, you know, it's an English script, but like sometimes the names are, you know, the names of the people and the companies, you know, they're not English names. So you have to, but you have to say them fluently, you know, you have to say them correctly. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a teamwork type of thing because you're going to be asking them like, hey, can you send me audio of how this name should be pronounced? You know what I mean? Um, you know, can you know, you want to maybe take a couple of days and study the actual vernacular of the language itself or at least the, the like the region where this is going to be played. So you can, you know, know you're saying things right, because when we speak, we don't realize that there is like a natural rhythm to us talking. And those rhythms kind of fluctuate and change as you go from region to region, mm. continent to continent, sure. continent to country. Yeah. You know, and in order to do your job the best, you want to make sure you're being as natural to your consumers as possible or yeah. your audience as possible. So it's a lot that goes into it. Again, it goes from, you know, copy to copy, it's different. Yeah, that that's so funny, just sort of thinking about, I, I hadn't really considered that before, just the differences region to region. Like, I've lived in Boston mm-hmm. now for 15 years, and we tend to talk fast oh, yeah. up here, and we tend to be pretty direct. And I know, like, Absolutely. when I've talked, especially to people in the South, like, that can be read yeah. as very rude or very aggressive. And I'm like, I'm not... Exactly. I, I'm just trying to get to the point. And like, if I don't say, you know, hello, sir, how are you? Let me ask you one question, if I may. And then I, if I'm just like, wait, what is that? Why are you saying that? It's like, like, why are you yelling at me? But yeah, you, you, you sort of need your voiceover to, to, uh, to accommodate that. Right. And for, yeah, for it to feel natural. I want to ask too about sort of the difference between, we've talked mostly about narration work up till now, but you've done a lot of character work too for animation, for video games, things like that. How mm-hmm. does that differ? And I guess sort of, you mentioned too, just acting. And it sounds like you never really, aside from drama club in, in high school, pursued acting. But I think of sort yeah. of character work as acting. <laughs> like where it is, you know, yeah, just sort of how how do you, how do you find your voice for those types of jobs? Um, well, those are going to be like a little more involved because, for most animation work, well, for most voiceover work, period, voiceover, the, the voiceover, the, the act of acquiring the voiceover is usually the last step for most productions. Usually their storyboard, the whole animation, the whole production is done, and the voiceover is the last spot. So with that said, with these animation jobs or these character work jobs, usually I have a whole scene I could work off of. The animators can send me my, literally the um, video of my whole scene. Oh, wow. They can send me pictures of the um, the character. Um, they can send me the whole like backstory they made up for the character. Like, oh, you're going to be voicing Krog. Krog had a rough life, lost his mom at this age. He's broken, but he has a great heart. You know, they'll, they can send you descriptions of your character. And it's just, it's almost like uh, you have to, you know, you're getting into character. Yeah, essentially. Sure. From there, you begin to just um, shape your voice and begin to feel where this character would have been coming from. And you're a character actor at that point. Yeah. And I feel like emotion plays into it in a way that it wouldn't like so much other narration, I feel like is, is meant to sort of be just straightforward and, you know, unoffensive, (laughs) simple, whereas like Mm -hmm. character work, you know, there's a lot of range. You could be really mad. You could be really sad. You could be happy. Do you use your body at all when you're, when you're taught, like how much are you trying to, to get a whole performance to just come out of your mouth, I guess? What do you do to to get to that place? Oh, 100%. Like every job, like even beyond the character work, like every job you're using your body, Hmm. at least me, I'm using my body. Um, Because like, like with the character work, obviously like sometimes you're, 
you know, if they're, if you're arguing in the script, you know what I mean? You may be flailing your arms and pointing at someone, you know what I mean? Just kind of to get into character or whatnot. Yeah. But even in like commercial or explainer video, you know, you just kind of find yourself using your hands just to like almost get the right notes as right. if you were singing. Yeah. Like, you know, if you know that you have to end the sentence in an upward inflection like this, you may just find yourself doing like a little upward inflection motion with your hands to kind of self-direct yourself. Yeah. And it's almost like a self a subconscious thing because you don't really try to do this. But, you know, if you sit back and almost observe yourself while you're doing it, it's like, why are my hands looking like this, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, right. You know, but, yeah, but it's just like, you know, you I, I personally always end up realizing I'm using my body in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, because I guess they don't see you when you're when they hear your voice. And so you've got to try to yeah. put all those other cues that you would normally get. It's almost, you know, I, I'm just thinking about sort of this time we're in now and realizing that I'm having to modulate how I present myself because I'm wearing a mask all the time in public, you know, that like Definitely. people don't yeah. see your mouth. They don't see you smiling. So like, you know, if you're, if you're smiling in front of somebody, like, I feel like I'm doing more with my eyes than I ever have just to be like, no, I'm engaged right. with you. I'm listening. <laughs> like I care what you have to say because you don't have those exactly. other, those other cues. Um, I want to ask you too, you, you talked about social media and like part of that, that's how you came onto my radar. You know, you, you had this video that went viral on Twitter um, about a month ago, a day in the life of a full-time voice actor, you know, 10,000 retweets, yeah. 40,000 likes, but you've also been really active <laughs> on TikTok for a long time. You know, you have a hundred thousand followers yeah. plus on there. Like, how does it feel just sort of to go viral? <laughs> like what, what changes as a result of that? Well, I mean, like it's over, it's very overwhelming at first um, because you know, just me being the TikTok guy, I've always, I've always had fun with social media. Yeah. But when I began to take voiceover seriously, I'm like, okay, so I'm about to use, I'm going to use these free platforms to market myself like crazy. And I began to realize that if you diversify your content, that attracts more of an audience. Mm. So I began to incorporate my comedy into it because I consider myself a awkwardly funny guy, but people like awkward comedy. Yeah. So I began to make these little skits here and there, and I decided one day, let me make a voiceover skit. Let me see if there's any kind of interest in that. And then I posted it on TikTok, and it started to blow up on TikTok. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to – I've been trying to get more active on Twitter here and there. Let me just post it on Twitter and just see, you know, I'll, I'll take these, these couple of dozen likes I may get from it. You know, I'll post that or whatever it is. And then I was woken up at about one o'clock in the morning because my phone just kept buzzing. Wow. It literally just kept buzzing. Like it was like back to back, like, zzz, 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 and I was like, what's going on? Yeah. So I go and I see they're all, they're all Twitter notifications. And it was just like every second I was getting like a couple dozen notifications because wow. someone retwe or retweeting it. And then I started to see the little check verifications under some people who are re re uh, retweeting it. Yeah. And like I saw that the creator of um, World of Warcraft had retweeted it. Oh, wow. The big show from the WWE wrestler, the big show retweeted it. And, you know, like these authors, some off famous authors have retweeted it. And it's just going ham and i managed to go to sleep that night and i woke up to a bunch of emails a bunch of dms here and there and that really didn't didn't even dissipate until like a, like a week or so later it just was like non-stop and i'm even now still getting some kind of like burn off from it it's wow. like it was crazy and, and it reached it got to a point where i literally disabled a bunch of different notifications for a bunch of different things on social media because it was just 
between Twitter and TikTok and yeah. Instagram notifications, it was just literally overwhelming. Just so your phone to, buzzing all the time. Yeah, so I had to disable like a bunch of notifications just least for a while and then try and play catch up to make sure I didn't miss anything important. It was an experience, but you know, just so much opportunity has come from it. You know, yeah. has it so it has led to work? Oh, definitely, like a, a lot of work, That's a awesome. lot of work, and it's been a blessing. Yeah, definitely. I wonder, too, you're on the younger side of, you know, you talked about guys that have been, you know, 30, 40 years in the business, like just social media has really changed everybody. You know, I think of it for myself, too, of like your ability to market yourself and get in front of people that normally would have no clue who you are. Like, I feel like you've used it really smartly and just continue to. And as you say, diverse content, it's not just, you know, voiceover stuff. (laughs) Like I saw you, uh, you know, reviewing candy bars yesterday and things like that. (laughs) You know, you review fast food uh, menu items like on on some of your stuff. But just like that's interesting that, as you say, it's sort of having that diverse range of content that people are going to come in for different reasons and your content may be seen by different people. And then, you know, who knows where it leads. That's that's so interesting. Absolutely. So, uh, so what do you think is next for you? Like, um, you know, you're, you're a year into this journey of, of a full-time voice actor. Like, what do you imagine the next year looks like? Well, I mean, as far as my goals, I'm, I plan on venturing more into like the movie trailer side of things and the um, network promo side of things, because everything that I've done so far has been regional. I've yeah. done stuff literally all over the world, but it's always been regional. I haven't done like one campaign that's been national one campaign that's been global you know what i mean so i'll say that's probably the next step um i'm working with a a fantastic management team right now um in um, celia seagal management and they are gunning for me they are an amazing uh, management group and they have some influence in the industry and i'm very confident that by this time next year, uh, quite a few of my goals will have been met you That's know, with awesome. their assistance. Yeah. It's so great, too, I think, just to sort of hear your story. And, to, you know, as you said at the beginning, like sort of a slacker in high school and, you know, spent your early mm-hmm. 20s kind of in that state of mind. And just yeah. once once you realize sort of what your interest is, your passion, sort of your reason for being here, it just kicks it into a different gear. Right. And just like that becomes your thing that you just, you have to do it and you have to accomplish it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It becomes a thing where, you know, you, I said me personally, I was like, I sat there and realized like I'm, tw- I'm at the time I'm like 23 and you know, I'm over here playing around in this pizza restaurant and I'm chasing these girls and I'm like, what, what am I really doing with my life? Where am I going to be at by the time I'm 30 or 33 or whatnot? Yeah. You know, I have a, a God-given gift, and I can mold that gift into a talent and a career. Why am I not doing that? Let's start to do that stuff on. So, you know, it took me – I wish, I always wish that I would have taken it seriously in high school. I wish I would have discovered voiceover and started taking it seriously in high school because I could just imagine where I would be if I was taking it serious from the age of, like, 14 or 16 Mm. but you know you can't turn back time and here i am now doing pretty well for myself and i just gotta make sure it's full steam ahead from this point yeah but also too i wonder like if you had made that leap would you appreciate it as much you know like knowing now that like i get to record these voiceovers instead of being at that hospital job or at that pizza place or whatever. Like, I wonder if it it makes you appreciate it more. And it definitely does because I sit there every day and I remember like just, I would have to drive to like the complete opposite side of town and in the, in the snow, you know what I mean? An hour drive basically just Mm. to go in and sit behind someone's desk and, you know, just, you know, not do my own thing, be micromanaged and 
deal with irate customers and patients and things like that and be mitigated to a 30-minute lunch break and if you're five minutes late from that lunch break you're getting written up stuff like that you know it's for the it's for the birds and you know it makes you appreciate you know being able to make your own schedule stay at home and record you know take three hours for lunch if you want to you know little things like that is definitely an appreciation coming from the nine to five world you know all right there we go stefan johnson you know what's so cool is he's talking there at the end about sort of how he's perched and ready for the next big thing. And I said that at the beginning, like that's, I really feel that about him, that he is very close to that. And it's funny because after we talked, maybe an hour or two later, I saw he had posted on Twitter that the Today Show actually wrote up one of his videos, one of his French fry ranking videos. It wasn't even a voiceover related one, just one of his fast food videos. And uh, they shared it with their whole audience. And he had no idea it was coming. He had no idea that they had done that. But, you know, the Today Show has four and a half million followers almost on Twitter. So it's kind of crazy just to see him blow up like that. And, uh, you know, just an hour or two after we talked. So that's that's really exciting. I think there are really big things coming Stefan's way. And I hope you all go check out his website. Go give him a follow on social platforms. There's a lot there. And uh, I think it's a name you're going to want to know in a few years. That's my prediction. All right. Thank you for joining me today. New show coming on Thursday. Make sure you subscribe. You're the first one to get it. You want to hear it first. Believe me. I am at Heath Priscilla on Twitter and Instagram. Shoot me a message. Drop me a line. I love hearing from you guys. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Stay safe.